they're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Bilodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes! yes. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another great interview, another great chat. We are returning to the sport of cross-country skiing and we're chatting to Sevi De Campo who competed in the Beijing Olympics earlier this year, competed in five different events and uh, this is a great chat with Sevi. He's a great character, fun guy to chat to and you're going to learn a lot about his journey in the sport, his uh, experiences in Beijing, some very unique experiences, I will say, in Beijing, certain uh, side of village life that I don't think we've ever quite uncovered before. But uh, great chat learning all about that and, of course, hopes moving forward into future Olympics and a bit of football talk. I will say at the time of releasing this, some of the football talk in this might seem a little bit dated, but uh, we did record this in just into the prior week of the final week of the AFL season for those listening in Australia who know a little bit about that. So uh, just to uh, pre-emphasize why some of that chat might be a little bit dated, but this was at the time we were recording it. But sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with Australian Olympic cross-country skier Sevi DeCampo. <laughs> I am a massive fan of the sport of cross-country skiing and we've had some great athletes from that sport on, particularly this year as well. And we're continuing the tradition of great athletes from the sport and from Australia as well, competed earlier this year in Beijing across five different events. And I'm thrilled to learn a little bit more about that experience and the journey that took him to his first Olympic Games. Please welcome to Off the Podium, Sevi DeCampo. Sevi, first of all, pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Ben. It's exciting cross-country skiing. I wish more people in Australia would realise how exciting cross-country skiing is because it's one of those ones when an Olympics rolls around that I'm always hooked to. I always am, am glued to it. And it's just there's something about it that is so captivating. Do we need to really start some massive campaign here, Sevi, to get more Australians <laughs> on board with this sport? Because it is a great sport. Yeah, and I uh, f- completely agree. Um, yeah, I've fallen in love with the sport. Um, and yeah, every games um, in Australia and um, across the whole field, um, I, I just reckon there are so many great stories behind all the athletes that get themselves to the start line. And, um, and yeah, it was a pleasure being at the games as well this year. Um, I think we got a really good rap from um, all our other teammates and the, the staff and everyone um, sort of, I think Elisa was saying we were sort of the backbone or a um, bit of the emotional um, sort of pulse of the team, which was nice to hear. And we sort of, yeah, five events, we had to give it everything every couple of days um out in siberian style weather (laughs) conditions um 
so yeah thanks for that no you're, you're more than welcome and actually one thing that got a bit of coverage too i know i think it was the thursday uh of the, in the second week channel seven was running at prime time uh at that stage and i i worked for seven during the olympics and it was kind of exciting to see the some of the the promotion that was going for it and we even had dave colbert at the time because a lot of the time they were just using say a world feed for the commentary but dave colbert was like yeah nah, i want to give this a go so he, he got there for a couple hours that afternoon did his research and then boom he was live commentating it so yeah even channel seven sort of jumped on board with it for a little bit to really give it some good prime time action yeah dave he's the guy um with elise uh with um oh who was it um he was the main commentator yeah yeah he yeah, was yeah. sort of doing that for that because he sort of he spreads his he spreads his work quite well across some of the other events did a lot of sort of snowboard cross and uh ski cross and everything along those lines but uh it was just it was exciting to see him just sort of jump on board because i don't think he had planned yeah. on doing cross-country skiing when he sort of went into <laughs> those olympics commentating it yeah no that was good um i think that was the the last event of the games, the um, men's 50K that was shortened to 30K because of the gale force winds and the um, borderline illegal um, race temperatures. Um, so it was funny after the race seeing a video of him um, doing the pre-race the pre, um, pre shot out there in, um, in the cold himself. Um, yeah, he gave us a good rap and, um, yeah, we saw a few of the clips afterwards on seven, um, of ourselves and, um, yeah, it was, it was quite humbling to see. Cause it's obviously we've talked to a lot of our winter athletes and we often talk about how it's kind of that little window that a lot of you get sort of that attention every four years when the, the Olympics are on. But <laughs> I, I can imagine for cross country skiers, I mean, it's, we talk about a lot of winter sports not getting a lot of promotion in Australia. Cross-country skiing, sadly, doesn't get a lot uh, compared to some of the others. So it, it must be those moments where all of a sudden you are getting some attention. People are able to see this sport and sort of see what all six of you who were competing in Beijing had, had been up to and sort of the journey it took you to get to the Olympics. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we I think we did a bit of promo stuff before the games as well. The um Oz Olympic media team were um asking us to get on board and we made like a Shrek All-Star um yes. video uh <laughs> where Phil was starring as Shrek. Um so I even had a people a couple of people after the games mention, "Oh yeah, we saw you guys like beforehand doing all the videos and stuff." Um and like that wasn't put on or anything. I think we just um, had a really great team um, vibe and like particularly beforehand and then throughout the games and we just wanted to bring that energy to the team. Um, and especially because it was sort of still COVID impacted, um, that was one of the ways we could bring the energy to the you know fans or um, support network from home so i think that was really important to pump pump up the team on social media and um keep the energy rolling through whilst we were at the games because it was fun to watch that we we had casey on just before the olympics and we had jess on not too long ago and yeah talked a lot about sort of that energy and, and the camaraderie that 
all of you seem to to have because I can imagine you know you, you're traveling the world together sort of a close-knit team Australia not a massive country when it comes to the sports so you sort of all band together there so I, I imagine that's important to sort of keep spirits up and particularly in such a grueling sport such as cross-country skiing yeah definitely um yeah I mean similar to a lot of other sports it's a great feeling doing um all the tough sessions with with cool people and people that you've been through a lot with and um trust and really enjoy their company so um we had some really good momentum with that leading up to it um it almost drove me a bit insane the two weeks before the games with um there was that window where basically if you got covid you couldn't go so we were literally just like bunkering down in our apartment in Switzerland. Um, we had to send the physio out to do any single little errand run, like go shopping or go to the pharmacy. Um, and like, we wouldn't go running in the main street of the town. We sort of just went all out so much so that now I basically scarred about wearing a mask. Um, (laughs) um here in australia but um yeah wow so i mean do you do you get to know each other even more in that two-week period or do you just kind of go oh god get the hell out of my house i'm sick of you (laughs) (laughs) yeah both of those things (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah there's sort of um yeah i think everyone was a bit uptight at times um (laughs) yeah (laughs) Not ideal not gonna, preparation for not an Olympic track, too much. <laughs> yeah, not ideal, yeah. But <laughs> fine. <laughs> you still ended up on the same team together in the Olympics. It wasn't yeah, like exactly, just like, yeah. Nah, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing this anymore. It's I, good I to believe... go through tough things together. Exactly. It builds character, right? It sort of yeah. uh, keep, keeps things strong. I, I believe you sort of didn't necessarily grow up doing cross-country skiing this is something that you sort of came to a, a little bit later I mean before we get to sort of what drew you into cross-country skiing what growing up as a, as a kid what were some of the sports that you were doing were winter sports something that sort of you were drawn to as a younger kid or was this also something you kind of fell into a little bit later yeah a little bit later like in high school probably I um, fell into cross-country skiing when I started thinking I could be quite good at this sport um Winter sports was always a fun part of my childhood and mum and dad would take us up to um, go skiing at Mount Buller in Victoria. Um, but that was always just, you know, go to Kofflers, um, get some nachos and um, do a little bit of ski school or just ski around. Um, but, yeah, I liked my um, traditional Aussie sports like footy, um, I was a big Hawks supporter and well, uh, I played a, a lot chance, of... Heavy. Sorry, we're, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You, 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 no, no, I'll just ignore that fact. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I only knew success for most of my life with the Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, turn it up. Keep going. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> you probably... I'm a Carlton supporter, so it's it's, uh, okay. it's all good. Yeah, as a as a young child, I remember success, but it's been a while. So yeah, okay. Carlton's my second team. If that makes oh, any. there you go. Um, I, I I wish I could say the same for Hawthorne, but I, I really can't. 
<laughs> yeah, we're our family split. Mum and uh, dad and my brother are Carlton, and me and Mum are Hawthorne. So we, yeah. Wow. <laughs> anyway, divided house growing up that would have been very it's quite, interesting. It's quite good um, ha- having a divided house for um, AFL teams. Um, yeah. I, I, I would know. I, I literally was almost put a gun to my head as like a three-year-old and like, you will go for Carlton, mm-hmm. otherwise you will move out. Um, so yeah, okay. thanks, Dad, for the torturous life. It's been fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it's good passion. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I played a lot of cricket and swimming and tennis uh, and running and then um, fell into cross-country skiing just basically one night in year six. Um Dad, we were a small school and dad was in charge of deciding all the teams for the um, inter-schools that were coming up in Mount Buller. And previously I'd just done um, alpine or moguls of snowboarding. Um, and he said, oh, Sevi, why don't you try cross-country skiing this year? And I thought, oh, well, I, hadn't, I didn't even know what that sport was at the time. Didn't know what it looked like. Um <laughs> And I said, why would I do that? And he said, <laughs> well, I think you'd have a better chance of winning some medals if you do cross-country skiing rather than alpine or whatever. So I couldn't say no to giving that a go, yeah. trying to win some medals. And then, um, yeah, I got two of my mates that did inter-school snow sports and we made a relay team and um, off we went. And, yeah, things escalated pretty um, quickly um with everything sort of um i was a good runner so um you know we were driving up to perisher nationals um in year six and then invited to state team training camps and uh, national team training camps and um yeah snowball affected pretty quickly um thanks dad yeah <laughs> thanks dad with the medals <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, That's exactly. crazy, which it's fascinating because particularly from a sport maybe that you're not overly familiar with, I mean, I can imagine that to take to it so sort of quickly and everything that snowballed from that way, I mean, is it something that you go into and you go, oh, I wish I had to discover this a little bit sooner. You know, this is something that, uh, you know, who knows what could have happened if I maybe <laughs> discovered a little bit younger. Yeah, um, yes, I think I think I hit it at a, at a good age where, um, it was all still fresh and exciting and um, there was no risk of burning out in the sport because, um, you know, by the time I wanted to commit fully, I was sort of, it was about time. So it was like um, the motivation was always very high um, and I always had guys that were just a little bit faster than me to chase down. And I think for me, that's probably why I've been able to, stay motivated and enjoy the sport for as long as I have um, because I learned, um, you know, to actually work hard and um, train and get better um, instead of sort of being the number one um, from the get-go. So um, now it's sort of ingrained that um, to be good, you can't rely on anything that comes too easy and um, yeah, if you've got to work hard. So no, nah, it was a good time to get into the sport. 
This probably sounds like a really obvious question to get an answer to, but I'd be intrigued to see how you sort of describe it. I mean, switching from, say, alpine and freestyle into cross-country, I mean, are the key differences just down to things like endurance and training? I mean, obviously, skiing styles are, are different. I can imagine equipment is different in, in all three variations. I mean, did you find it difficult to adapt to, I guess, the more subtle aspects of cross-country versus what you were doing in alpine and freestyle? Um. Like I wasn't a pro or anything in Alpine and freestyle just to preface with. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I've, I was like, I still learning things about um, cross country skiing. I mean, a couple of years ago, I got a new ski sponsor. And I had to test all these skis and I was still learning about all the different grinds and um, makes of the ski. Um and there's still more to learn and um but yeah i think similarities are the equipment is um is important for all the different sports in um skiing and um the training differs definitely um i mean i'm lucky as a cross-country skier because it's so endurance based that you can do a lot of um, your summer training, not necessarily on snow. So I can, um, spend a lot of time in Canberra, um, where I study at uni and actually, um, you know, just go running and bike riding and roller skiing to get the endurance. Whereas like Alpine skiers and freestyle skiers to train properly, they need snow. So, um, Yeah. It's kind of that comparison. And then the roller ski aspect kind of uh, goes all right for you because I believe you're a national champion in roller skiing, Sevi. Yeah. Which, I mean, I didn't title. even know it was a thing until I did this research. So, I mean, uh-huh. uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, national champion in roller skiing? How does that How does that feel? Big achievement, do you think, Ben? Yeah, oh, huge. I think, like, that's we yeah. should cancel this interview about cross-country skiing right now and just talk about this, you know, I national thought that's what this skiing. was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awkward. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Let's 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 start it. We're only like fifteen minutes <laughs> in, so we can just quickly well, we, yeah, we uh, worked change our way tack. For it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember the moment when I learnt that roller skiing was the main form of training for cross-country skiing. I think it must have been when Dad um, bought these things called Skikes. Um, I think I was in year eight, and they were these sort of like rollerblade bigger rollerblade things that you can wear with your normal running shoes. Um, and I put them on and I did a lap around the tan in Melbourne um, mm-hmm. at like 6 p.m., so peak hour. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was just, yeah, overtaking, skiing through these people. And at the time I thought it was great, but, um, yeah, soon realised I probably don't want to be doing that um, all the time, <laughs> especially now I'm not going to put the skikes on and <laughs> just do laps of the tan. Um, but yeah, they were, I mean, it was quite fun. Like, um, rollerblading is fun. If you've tried that, I think that's semi mainstream. Um, and yeah, roller skiing is a lot, a lot the same. Um, and nowadays I've got maybe eight different types of roller skis. Wow. um, And 
yeah, it's the main training form. So we just head out on the bike paths and the roads um, here in Canberra. And I used to do it a bit um, when I was at school in Melbourne. Um, still get comments from the tradies asking where the snow is. <laughs> you could, there's got to be some sort of comeback there. It's like, I don't know, yeah. just be wearing your Olympic tracksuit or something like that. Like, shut <laughs> the fuck up, mate. Olympian here. Come on. <laughs> National roller ski champion. Like, get exactly. back to painting your house. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely have had time to think of um, comebacks over the years. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've got any uh, off the oh. top of your head. Yeah, we'll have to I, think I, of some. Yeah, I like to think that I, I look professional enough that um i don't actually get that many comments while i'm roller skiing which um because I, I don't actually get that many comments these days um uh but yeah the most jarring one i've ever got was um me and my brother were like roller skiing um out near Stromlo and these guys like in a big van like just wound down the window and just started like going like, ha, 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 just like a sort of loud laugh. And then they just kept going. Um, and we were just like, what was that? It was quite <laughs> weird. Um, but, yeah, I'd, my comeback would probably be um, to say like, wh- like, what was that? Would you like come out of your car and <laughs> yeah. come over here and say that to my face? Yeah, and you ski off. Yeah, no, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Catch no, me, come on. Yeah, catch me. I hope that's not like Rowan Browning or something. He's going to like sprint after you and probably catch up to you. But like, I mean, you know, I could guarantee yeah. you probably beat nine out of ten people in that situation, though. <laughs> that's yeah, crazy. Exactly. Which, which it's. I mean, I remember being. I think it was in Montreal. I was up. Um, it was in summer, and they've got that sort of hill overlooking the city, and a lot of people hiking and a lot of people were sort of on roller skis, but I guess Canada people are probably aren't really commenting too much on that. Whereas I could imagine that in Australia, but I mean, it sounds like a, a fascinating sport. I know speaking to some speed skaters on the show, they've talked a lot about sort of the speed roller blading aspect of it, yeah. which very nearly became an Olympic sport about, uh, you know, 15 or so years ago, but, uh, sounds almost like we could push for roller skiing to be a sport at the summer mm-hmm. games, maybe Brisbane 2032, Sevi, and yeah. you could take this national championship to Olympic glory as well. There you go. Summer Olympic as well. Yeah. Like it that, sounds fascinating. I mean, enough. Yeah. If they want to do that, then that'd be cool. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's where the sport's headed. It's got a World Cup though. There's a roller ski World Cup, um, and yeah, it'd probably be cool to do one of those um, someday. Get an invitation if you're a national champion. Surely that's just the next you know thing. Like the here's your national yeah. championship ticket to the World Cup. <clears throat> go, go on. <laughs> yeah, um, can you organise that? Absolutely. We've got lots of sway on this show. So you got, sure. You've got some people. Yeah, yeah. we, we know um, people in high places, definitely. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get on to that for, for sure. Do you, I mean, what do you get as a national roller ski, just a cool trophy and a title to add to your name? I mean, sort of what do you get for that? Um, you get a $20 gift voucher to <laughs> Snow Trek and Travel. So you can get wow. – um, you can pay for an eighth of um, a block of <laughs> um, – Ski wax. <laughs> so it's worth it then. Uh, yeah, you save a bit of money it. for the next uh, cross-country uh, season then. So it's like, you know. Yeah, exactly. 
You're always going for those discounts, right? It's like when you're on a website and you've got one of those apps on your like Google Chrome to get 10% off like a shipping or something like that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Saves it. Just a a discount, a line through some other price that's more expensive and you're like, okay. Yep, that'll work. That's good. Worth all the effort. And I'm a national champion as well. So, um, you know, can't can't take that away from me. With a lot of the sports that you're doing growing up, I mean, was the Olympics something that you always sort of look towards? Were you doing a lot of these sports hoping that maybe one day this could be achieved? Or like if you're doing footy, was it like, I want to be an AFL player? Like kind of, was that a goal of yours as a child to be a professional athlete? Um, to be honest, um, like when I was younger and trying before I started giving cross country a crack. So probably before I was 15, um, no, I was just enjoying sport. Um, and I didn't really think I was, um, the most, it was, I was never the most talented, um, kid like in, I was good, but there was always someone who, you know, would be better than me that I'd have to try and um, beat. Um, so it was never like, oh, yeah, I'm born um, and designed to be an Olympic athlete. Um, it's sort of just over the years I realised more and more um, as I kept improving that it was something that was realistic. And then um, when I was about 18, um yeah, around 17, 18, I, yeah, thought I could really give give it a crack to go for cross-country skiing. Um, like it was mine for the taking if I just did everything as well as I could. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Um, and unfortunately with footy, like I would have loved to play AFL. It was just that when I started skiing, it, I just I, I couldn't go in as hard for the ball. Um, which is sort of important. Um, a bit, yeah. So, yeah, so that sort of limited Colton's me as well. learned that this year, um, finally. It's yeah, while, yeah. So. Yeah, although yeah. the last couple of weeks, the sort of teams yeah. have found that out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 11 seconds, right, the other day against Melbourne. <laughs> we were in the finals and then 11 seconds, boom. Um, just That would be yeah. absolute, absolutely devastating. Just a bit, yeah. No, it's definitely something that hasn't lived with me now for nearly a week, Sevi. Uh, uh, we've got our own elimination final this weekend. So, yeah, literally. Um, Are you, you going? Know, uh, I, I'm being in Tasmania. I, 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 it's not sadly something I can quickly go to, but I've, I've committed to if we make the finals, and at least it's in Melbourne. I'll be going up for the first game. I'm not going to take that uh, opportunity to see my team in a final and let that slip. So, um, I mean, obviously I remember when we were last in finals, it wasn't like it was 50 years ago. We're not Essendon. Um, But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. There's still hope maybe. And hopefully maybe the Bulldogs. Can I actually, I'll ask you, I I really never cheer for Hawthorne. I really don't, but please can you beat Bulldogs this week? Just Yeah. I was just about to say, (laughs) you'll have to go to the game in Tasmania. Yeah. I might go up to Launceston. Yeah. Not 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 a lot of uh in, incitement to go to Launceston for the most part, but maybe I will this weekend just yeah. for that point. Um so it's quite important. Yeah. Very important. Very I'm not too worried about St Kilda. Uh mind you saying that they'll probably win by hundred points this week and be the one that no one's paying attention to. But uh anyway, yes, that's uh that's that's a whole other kettle of fish. You talk about that progression though, and sort of around about that age where maybe you thought, well, this is a possibility. I believe you narrowly missed out on the youth Olympics in 2016, 
was that something getting close to that that kind of spurred you on to keep going or was there kind of you're already on that path really at that point and that was just something that you nearly went to and you sort of just kept focusing on everything else that was going on yeah it was a big big turning point in my um like mentality as a as an athlete um it was the first thing that i really really wanted to to achieve um and i had two really close mates that were both going for it as well um and we were all about even and we were all training really hard um you know i flicked the switch um the year leading up to that i just trained a lot and did a lot more roller skiing and did everything and mum was going what are you going roller skiing again <laughs> um that's what i knew i was starting to train like well um that was where i usually gauged off if mum was um surprised if i was heading out again <laughs> mum's always <laughs> no <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i told myself if she asked me like oh what no just it's too early and then i'd be like okay good you know <laughs> thanks mum that's that's yeah. the inspiration i need today well done yeah yes. yeah <laughs> thanks mum um and yeah, and it was super close. And the, yeah, the committee chose um, another guy to go, or my mate to go. Um, and I was pretty gutted for, you know, only actually a week, but um, really gutted though for some days there. And I worked out um, I was pretty keen on on doing this, and um, and I'd already learnt there for like in the lead up to that, despite not going, I'd already learned how to train and work for something I really wanted. So it was like sort of now I've got the tools and I can keep doing this and, you know, there's always more things to work towards, especially a real Olympics um, six years later. So, um, yeah, I set my sights on that. So was there any possibility of, Pyeongchang. I mean, obviously, you went to a couple of junior world champs, sort of in the lead up there. But I mean, had you had results gone a certain way? Do they look at somebody your age to potentially go two years later then to Pyeongchang? Yeah, um, I mean, unlike maybe freestyle or um, moguls, to be a good cross country skier, you sort of need years and years of training, and the best are late twenties, early thirties. So there are a few older guys at the time that um, had just had more years and were more um, established and, and the way the selection criteria worked at that time for Pyeongchang was like, he sort of needed to be having Olympic level results, like a, sort of a year beforehand as well, um, just to like start meeting criteria. So it was going to be a, big task i would have had to just have have like a unbelievable december um beforehand and i ended up i was in norway and i decided not to fly down to switzerland and um germany to do the selection races um so i could have um but um yeah i guess i just my coach was like no don't worry and you know we'll keep look towards the next one um so yes and no 
because um, it is it's such a fascinating aspect with cross country that uh, yeah learning that through Casey and Jess it's it is almost a sport where it pays to wait a little bit and get older because what you were 19 at that time which for cross country skiing is extremely young i mean you know as you say late 20s early 30s so the fact that you make your olympic debut at what 23 like i mean that's still considered very young whereas for a lot of sports yeah, I mean, gymnastics, for example, 23, you're, you're basically a dinosaur. But, I mean, it's it's kind of insane to think that it's almost the opposite for cross-country. Like, 23 is extremely young in that sport, and you've got plenty more Olympics ahead of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was one of the youngest or still in the youngest bracket in the in the Olympic field this year. Um, so, that's nice. I probably keep improving and um, go to another one. Um we had a, a guy Hugo who was who had a breakout season, um, and he qualified for the fifteen k in the sprint in um, at these Olympics, which was I think he was actually the youngest um, to to ever go for cross country wow. skiing, the youngest male. Um, so he is two meters though. So. Um, he, he was a bit of a man. Yeah, he was a bit of a man child at, at the time. Um, <laughs> he'd, he'd be taller than the skis, basically, wouldn't he? Like, I mean, that's just that's yeah. giant. Yeah. Well, he said if he he was one ninety nine, and he said if I grow another centimeter, I'm switching to basketball. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> might might need him. Getting out of hand. Yeah, I don't yeah. see often a transition from skiing to basketball, but he could be the first. You know. Yeah. It's, uh, Weird transition period to that. So, I mean, with sort of that period then in between Pyeongchang through to, to Beijing, is it just a matter of hitting the circuit as much as you can, doing the, the junior world champs, the under-23s, and hitting the, the senior scene and kind of just racking up the experience? And, and how much is that sort of assisting you that eventually will lead you to qualifying for Beijing? Yeah, it's just about... Um Firstly, doing all the hours and the prescribed training, um, and it's it's quite a bit. So, yeah, if you could at least um, just hit the training and with good quality, then you that's the first thing. And then, yeah, secondly, I think um, it was getting experience on World Cup and um, World Champs and just developing my... Um, race routine and my pre-race routine and just making sure basically that um i could win on my worst day um in that my you know the difference between <clears throat> my best race and my worst race isn't too large and that um i can step up and perform um on the biggest stages like world champs and World Cup and then especially Olympic qualification races. Which, how does that work? Because I know there's lots of complications when it comes to varying winter sports and the points and then the quotas and then often a lot of athletes aren't chosen until, you know, literally weeks before the Olympics when it comes to winter games. But that process leading up to Beijing, was it a case of you didn't know until right before the end? Uh, I mean, sort of how long was it before the games until you knew you were going to Beijing? Um, it was official three weeks beforehand, wow. but I sort of knew, or I pretty much knew 
after the last um, qualification race uh, in at the end of December, um, just because, yeah, it was sort of based on the selection committee deciding who the best three guys were. And, yeah, it was after the races, it was clear enough. So, um, but it was still nice to get the official um, official announcement. Um, yeah. Which I always love to find out, you know, at what point do you feel like you're an Olympian? Is it when you're announced, when you arrive in China, your first race, when you, when you leave? I mean, kind of, is there a moment where all of a sudden it clicks that I'm an Olympian? Yeah, I think um, I think there was maybe two moments um, for you uh, that are quite different. Um, the first was walking down the ramp into the um, for the opening ceremony into the Bird's Nest Stadium, and it was just like an incre- incredible, surreal moment um, with these massive rings suspended over the stadium and. Um, there was, there were actually quite a few people in the stadium and it was super loud and, um, yeah, it was, that was really cool. Um, and then the second moment was maybe a couple of days later, um, potentially after I'd already done one of the events, I was just sitting in the bathroom, like on the toilet and I just looked at my jumper and the rings on my chest. And then I just thought, oh, that's me. Like, I'm, I'm wearing this, wearing the rings. And, um, while taking yeah, a dump. <laughs> <laughs> the most inspirational one you've ever had in your life. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty inspira- inspirational moment. <laughs> I love that. That's you're the first person ever on this show to admit that that's a moment you realize you're an Olympian in that exact moment. That's um, yeah. Wow, that's the most inspirational mm. poo I've ever heard about. So Which um, before then, um, then w- wiping with, <laughs> with toilet paper <laughs> and then putting the toilet paper not in the toilet but in a plastic bag, um, and then putting that in just a normal bin because you can't wow. flush. You can't flush. Toilet. You can't flush paper down the toilet in China. Wow. Um, yeah, Jeez. that's a little insider. I thought insider. that was maybe an Olympic thing. Like, no, this is a, an environmentally friendly Olympics. But, uh, <laughs> wow. That, I mean, I don't even want to know the logistics of that. That sounds terrible. I know. <laughs> yeah. And then when we ran out of bags, we'd start like sort of, yeah, this is sort of a bit... That's we're an open show podcast. here, Sebi. It's fine. Let's let's learn. We'd run out of enough <laughs> plastic bags, so we'd just like leave it open and like start using the same bag and um <laughs> yeah, recycling. It wasn't nice uh. when I saw Phil's like toilet paper <laughs> in the bin. Um, Shrek's toilet paper was uh getting a bit Yeah. <laughs> swampy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bit swampy. I mean I gotta ask, does the toilet paper have Olympic rings on it? Is everything just branded to the fact <laughs> that you go, Oh, Olympic rings on my toilet paper. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite the toilet or yeah, not quite that. Wow. But a lot of disappointing. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, disappointing. 
Wow. We're learning a lot here. I mean, often we do find out that our interviews can turn quite shit, Sevi, but, um, <laughs> you know, now we're, we're, we're really getting there. Do you, do you soak up the moments, uh, probably a bad segue there, do you soak up the moments of the Olympics uh, when you sort soak of up. Uh, soak up? <laughs> Does all it get soaked up really into those <laughs> Um are, are you sort of take those moments to soak up, you, you, you know, village life and kind of everything else? I mean, obviously you've got a lot of events that are spread out quite significantly throughout the games, but... Are you able to take any moments to really soak up the Olympic atmosphere in Beijing at the time? Yeah. Um, try and walk around and jog around the village um, as much as we could. Um, and we had a days where we had, you know, three or four uh, days off in between. Um, and it was freezing walking around the village. So um, you sort of wouldn't want to do it too much um like minus 17 and and blustering wind conditions and super dry so it was um not like sun sun baking weather um we kicked the footy around um the village one day which was fun and um we do trips to the dining hall um when we could which was a cool experience um they had the perspex uh, barriers between like where you could eat. So it was sort of like, um, I don't know, you could sit opposite some random Norwegian wax tech and there'd be like a plastic shield between you two, but um, sort of just look up and um, say hi. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I think a big thing at the Olympics was the pin trading, like, um, Everyone had um, pins from their country, you've probably heard. Yep, yep. So that's always a good conversation starter. Um, Do you get addicted? I, I love hearing from some of our guests that they get really addicted to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally didn't. Um, I don't know, I just... Phil did, didn't I just, he? I mean, he's yeah. been to a few. He just, every Olympics he goes to, I can imagine he just wants to add to the collection, right? Yeah, yeah, he's, he really values the pins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all he goes to the olympics for he's like oh sure i'll compete in yeah. skiing but i just want the pins <laughs> the funniest part about the pin trading was we were sitting in the dining hall and then this french um cross-country skier called maurice magnificat who i think it was his fourth olympics he came up to me and phil and he's like oh you want to trade you want to trade the pins and like and we were just like oh really you you really want to trade pins still at your fourth Olympics, just walking around the dining hall, like a 15 year old trying to like talk to everyone. He's got like a box trade. at home. That's, I mean, you know, yeah. sure he might have some medals and some world cup, but he's got the pins. That's his, that's pride and place on his mantelpiece. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. Which, cause it's, I mean, I've heard all the stories, like how I think it was during Tokyo and I think in Beijing, somebody mentioned it too. There's like secret pins. Like you've got a special app that basically if you follow prompts, you can get a, a certain pin that the IOC or the organizing committee put together, things like that. Almost like Pokemon Go, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Um, in At the village, there was a Samsung shop, which was one of the sponsors um, for the games. And if you what you went into the shop and they had about eight different stations of activities um like take a selfie with so and so or like um 
draw, phone, I don't know, they were just quick activities and you got um, a sort of puzzle piece to like a collection of these Samsung pins and once you got all of them, you could um, be in the running to win a free phone. Wow. Um, Yeah, and the problem was it was so easy to get like 10 of the 12 pins and then two of them which were like gold Samsung collectors pins were so hard to find (laughs) um we were walking around the like the courtyard um that afternoon trying to see if anyone had these gold pins and this guy must have been like a volunteer he was a local and um he just sort of strolls over with like a posse of like um six other people following him and he's just got this like necklace around (laughs) his chest with just all of these gold um, <laughs> pins, like like in wow. from the mafia or something, <laughs> and he knew he knew he was hot property. <laughs> He'd been hoarding I mean, them all. That's where they all yeah, were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just rolls up. He's like, "Well, like, what are you going to give me for these?" <laughs> wow! I will compete for Australia tomorrow in the uh, fifteen kilometer skiathlon. If I and I will give you a yeah, pin. exactly. <laughs> I am now semi to campo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he wow. wanted my identity or something. <laughs> wow, that's crazy! I just I love hearing those those stories with everything because I mean, obviously that's something that makes the Olympics. And as we've talked a lot about on this show, particularly with winter athletes, you don't often really get a multi-sport event to go to besides an Olympics. You know, you're not a a swimmer or a a field hockey player where you've got a Commonwealth Games you can go to or, you know, say the Canadians can go to a Pan Am Games, things like that. So these are those moments where you really are, you know, soaking it up. You're bumping shoulders with other athletes from other sports and, uh, yeah, you're kind of making those memories along the way that other athletes get to do a lot more often. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, we really um, made the most of it. Which I also find fascinating to think that you've got this four-time Olympian going around because I think the thing that obviously would be fascinating about cross-country skiing, for us, going back to what I was saying before, not a huge sport in Australia, but you've got some global superstars in this sport from people like Norway, you know, Finland, you know, these are, you know, the shame warns of Norway and things like that. I mean, obviously you're competing against them a lot of the time on the world tour, but do they kind of have a bit of an aura about them that maybe Australians wouldn't understand? It's not different to if a Norwegian met Shane Warne, if he was still with us, or Sam Kerr or someone like that, that they're not going to understand the level that they have in Australia. And, and what's it like kind of being around this big-name Norwegian cross-country skier that anybody in Australia would go, who the fuck's that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, they definitely, like the top guys, um, and there's a really good guy from Norway, um, Klabo, and there's a his sort of counterpart rival from Russia, Bolshinov, and um heaps of others uh in between and um yeah that a lot of the top guys sort of you know they're doing laps around the world cup course and they've got a bit of a swagger and like um just very serious looking um sort of don't want to go up and don't want to get in their way a little bit um but yeah definitely i mean in norway it's massive and um, one of the freestyle girls was telling me um, the Norwegian freestylers um, often complain because the cross-country skiers take all the money 
Um, and yeah, it's quite glamorous over there. Um, so they bring that to the world cup and they're pretty, um, hot property and, um, yeah. Do you, do you ever feel though, like, I mean, Australians were a bit laid back, a bit more relaxed and all that sort of stuff. Like if you're getting lapped by one of these guys or you standing next to them on the start, do you, do you feel a bit like chirpy? Do you want to be like, oh, come on, come on, mate. I can beat you in cricket. Like, you know, okay, you're a bit good <laughs> at cross country, but you know, come out the back. We'll, we'll, you know, throw off you to me and we'll see how you go there. Yeah. We have a joke, um, that, we can always say, oh, well, um, say they, they beat us. We'll go, well, at least we get to go back to Australia at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> Son, <laughs> do you know what that is in Norway? Probably yeah, not. Yeah, do you know what that is? No. <laughs> a beach. Have you heard of that in Norway? Um, exactly. So I feel like we shouldn't badmouth Norwegian because Tokyo, they did all no, right in like, no. triathlon and freaking, they were getting all right in summer sports in Norway. So they're gradually taking, I'm a bit scared for how Norway are doing in summer sports now, Sebi. So, you know, they've worked out a secret to somehow, we need to do that with winter now. You know, we did well in Beijing, but we need to sort of, get to Norway levels in the summer sports. So um, Exactly, yeah. Something in the water going into Starting to crack onto that a bit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Five events you compete in Beijing, which, again, is just insane to me in, in such a grueling sport that you're able to sort of do that. The one, I mean, you sort of touched on it before, and we talked a lot about it during the Olympics. The 50K ended up getting shortened to 30K, because of the weather. I mean, does this happen often in cross country that all of a sudden you've got to do a shortened distance? Because, I mean, it kind of weirdly, I don't know if it seems fair, like if all of a sudden you've got a, a guy who's better at the first 30K but sucks in the last yeah. 20 and, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. Is that something that commonly happens in the sport? Not at all. I don't I don't ever recall it happening and I'm pretty confident it has either never happened or um, hasn't happened in the last... 40 years so um it was pretty crazy i mean it was a weird morning we were at the stadium and sort of just getting ready for the race and and there'd been a lot of talk in the leading days um about the weather and i was walking i went for a little jog around the stadium and i did think like this is pretty intense um out here and Oh, <clears throat> uh, we were we were gearing up like all morning. Okay, you know we can we'll just go out there and um, you know we can handle anything. Uh, and then when they shortened it, um, I mean we could see on Instagram quite a few of the other skiers weren't happy with it. Um, and like fifty k down to thirty makes a little bit of a difference. There are definitely some skiers that prefer that little bit longer um but like at the time you can't dwell you just have to you know take what you get yeah you just gotta go for it because i think we compared it's like if all of a sudden in the summer olympics they're like oh no the marathon's not going to be 42k so it's only going to be 30 like i mean it's it's kind of it's a it's a weird thing which i can imagine an event that is so long you've got to condition the body to hit certain points in that race and yeah like as you said certain people probably get to a 30k and they're only hitting their strides they've still got 20 to go so it just it seemed like such a a unique thing to do and and something that yeah really did seem completely unprecedented yeah there's that and there's also the sort of tradition with doing the olympic 50k that was um on our minds a little bit as well um because, I mean, the 50K is 
cross country skiing is the oldest uh, winter Olympic event there is, along with um, a couple of other disciplines. So it's quite prestigious. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit of a pity that we couldn't do the full fifty. Um, and yeah, well, how how bad were? I mean, time. minus fifteen degrees, I believe. The the wind was pretty bad. I mean, like I guess you sort of get used to some of these conditions in some of the other places you're skiing in. But I mean, how did you compare those conditions to some of the other places you've skied in on that day? I think it was the wind that was the main thing. It's like it, it had been cold all week. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the wind that would just sort of shoot straight through any clothing you had. Um, yeah, probably not comparable. Like it was definitely the worst conditions um i'd skied in um it actually lessened a little bit during the race the wind and it was it was basically fine with all the laying we had um yeah we just felt like um like warriors out there vikings <laughs> and that's um, the way like the norwegians yeah. right you know vikings going along that's what they're, mm, that's what they're we, doing right yeah we don't want to talk too much about norwegians yeah. just because no. calm the calm the norwegian talk ben they get they get enough attention that you finished yeah. 51st in that one that was your best individual result i mean with with all the events that you did the the performances i mean did you leave beijing satisfied had you set yourself goals that you met kind of like how did you leave feeling you had performed in each of your events yeah, I um, was firstly just really happy to be in um, good shape and just be in a position where I could give it everything for all of the races. Um, and there were lots of moments where I was competing neck and neck with um, the best skiers in the world, which was a great feeling. Um, I probably didn't quite have the perfect race for me for start to finish. Um, the 51st in the 50 K was, uh, the closest to that. I just cramped up like really bad in the last couple K. Um, but yeah, that was, I was really happy with that race and I had a really good group that I skied with, skied with three Chinese national team members, um, and a Belgian guy and a Latvian guy and, um a couple of kazakhs um and the yeah i i had good skis so i'd go past on the downhill and then just ease up a little bit on the uphill and let them break the wind and then do that again <laughs> um so yeah it was lots of fun and just being able to do your best um on at the olympics is was like a you know, dream come true at that time and then i'll you know aim for better performances um hopefully at the next ones i was gonna say i mean i can imagine it spurs you on as we mentioned you're sort of still very young cross-country skiing standards so i mean i can imagine right now it's switch focus uh it's been obviously six months at the time of recording this since beijing now so three and a half years now to milan is, is that kind of the the next goal yeah that's where we're heading at the moment um my life will probably go through some changes in those three and a half years. I mean, it's still a long time. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what I'll be doing in 
you know, two and a half, three years. Um, but uh, I'll still be training and I'll, I'll um, still be looking to improve and do my best at the next games. And I think a big, big thing that we usually target is the team sprint event. I'm not sure if you watch that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting into the final of the team sprint would be um, massive. So that's the top 10 go into the final and then it's, you know, big time um, media uh, around the world. And um, once you're in the final, it's sort of um, a little a little bit more like anything can happen. Not quite Steve Bradbury, but... Um, <laughs> oh, you never know. <laughs> a lot more would have to go wrong in a cross-country <laughs> skiing event for a Steve and Bradbury moment. But Never um, say never. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, it's, yeah. it is fascinating to see the depth of cross-country skiing in Australia. I mean, it was the third biggest team behind only freestyle skiing and snowboarding at Beijing. And it always seems to be that Australia sends a pretty big cross-country skiing team to every single Olympic. So is that depth still there within the sport in the country? And and with that, I mean, the training and everything that goes into it, is that then the ultimate goal is to try and get that final spot for the team sprint with the depth that we've got in the country at the moment? Yeah, we've got some good juniors and younger skiers coming through. Um, so the depth and like we had national champs a couple of weeks ago and um, the depth had been as good as I'd seen it um, in the last eight or so years that I'd been um, racing national champs. So that's exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, we take a big team to the Olympics partly because the Olympic field in cross-country skiing is still really big like i think it's 140 guys and girls that for 140 guys 140 girls that um that qualify and compete which is the biggest field there is um so yeah it's it's looking good ben that's good. I'm glad. I'll um, mm. I'll, I'll get my skis on soon, and you I'll, can, um, you know, and then you can join as well. There's, yeah, I'm only 35. Yeah. I'm a spring chicken in cross country, so I've got plenty of time to to catch up. How old's exactly. Phil? He's about 50, isn't he? So um, yeah, you know? yeah, he's 53, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so I mean, plenty, plenty of time to uh to catch up and, and get there. So we like to close out with some fun sort of get to know you questions. Before I get to those, um, just reading a few of your interviews that you've done over the years. I think you might need to take up maybe a role in motivational speaking because you've got some good quotes here. I want to read out a couple of quotes here that uh, you've said. Uh, you've talked about the rhythmic dance of cross-country skiing uh, and that you said it f- makes you feel like a monkey swinging on a vine in the jungle, calm and precise with my movements, agile with my body, fluid and present with my mind, in a beautiful flow-like state, breezing through it. Very inspiration and then this one i love this one where you compare cross-country skiing to life you say it's sort of like a metaphor for life you don't know why and you're not necessarily enjoying it at particular at that particular moment but you just embrace attacking each hill and keep going right to the finish line so i'm seeing motivational talks posters t-shirts like you've got something going here sebi i think you've got a career in this mm, we should create a, a business team you and me yeah and we can- Absolutely. Yeah. No, I stand by both those quotes. Um, they're, they're fantastic quotes. I want to see one of those like posters, like the black one with the box in it. And it's got like, you know, Sevi de Campo, Olympian, you know, national roller ski champion. Um, Monkey, vine leaves. Yep. Metaphor for life. 
cross-country skiing. You don't know why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's an inspirational picture of you taking a dump while you're staring at your Olympic rings going, wow, I'm an Olympian, you know, yeah. just all those moments that hit you there. So we'll talk. We'll, we'll get something uh, yeah. together and help helps with the funding as well, no doubt, for the Olympics. We always need a bit of sponsorship and funding, right? That's true. Yeah, it could help. Keep, keeps going on that way. We wrap up with a set of fun questions. As always, these are based on a questionnaire that was given to Team Canada athletes before Pyeongchang and Rio. Silly, fun, great, everything along those lines. There is an element to this, an optional element of drawing if you want to. Um, Casey drew, she before uh, Beijing, she drew an octopus, I think, from memory for her favourite animal. So, um, you know, if, uh, if you feel there's always a draw your favourite animal, draw a picture of a teammate, Things like that. So, if you want some homework, Sevi, feel free to send it in. We'll put it on our social media and uh, people can say, do you think you're a better drawer than Casey? I mean, she was pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm quite good. So, okay. All right. Yeah. We'll hold you to that. We'll I'll see. <laughs> see how that goes. All right. First question for you. I know the answer to this. We've already talked about it. As a kid, who was your favorite sports team? Hawthorne Football Club. Do you follow like any other sort of sports? Like, Do you sort of get on board with any other, like basketball, NRL, things like that at all? American sports? Um, <laughs> oh, not really. Like, it's sort of weird, but I'm very into just AFL, which is a bit boring. But um, it works. I mean, just again, ride, just right into it. Had a lucky life, I think. Did you go to any of the grand finals? Did you manage? I mean, you had a few to choose from. So, no, not even. Dad would always go, but we um couldn't get ticket. Wow. Um, Even after yeah. all those, do you think they'd share them after like your fourth one in like seven? I know. You know, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Share it around. Share it around. Um, who are your favorite music artists? Um, <clears throat> I like, I like dance music. So, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've gone blank. Um, <laughs> it's all right. You don't, you don't pass or fail this. So there's a guy from good. Perth called Guy Contact. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds, sounds good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, a bit of a dance fan myself too. So you're redeeming yourself with that, with the Hawthorne thing. So, you know, that's, I think we can work together well on those quotes. Um, your favorite place to compete is? Um, is Falls Creek in Australia. Nice. Anything particular about that? That just is it just it's home, good course? Uh, it's home. It is a great course and um, it's quite beautiful. And um, I know the trails really well. So I just can max it. I can just get the most out of every turn, you know. Your favorite Olympic moment is? Um, probably. Um, giving Phil a hug on the finish line after the 50K and nice. he just like couldn't talk. He couldn't really breathe properly. Um, and yeah, just embracing him, that com- just that notion of camaraderie and Aussie spirit. Mateship, all of that. Is it so cold that you like you freeze together at that point or something like that? Yeah, we were getting... Let go now. <laughs> cold was on, coming on very quickly. We had to... <laughs> <laughs> it does that. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, to fly. Yep. Yeah, good, that'd be good cool. Good answer. 
Is, do you think you yeah. could use that? Do you think you get away with that in a in a race? Like all of a sudden, like you start and then all of a sudden you've flown, you know, fifty k's around Ooh. the course pretty quickly. <laughs> no one would notice, right? They're not paying attention to the Australians, so I think Yeah, I'd maybe fly like a centimeter off the ground up the hill, sort of, just <laughs> pretending like I'm skiing. Yep. So they yep. wouldn't like they wouldn't penalize me. Um yep. yeah, I'd do that. Smart tactics. I think that would work. Um your favorite sports movie is um, is Racing Stripes. Ah, <laughs> the zebra one, right? Am I thinking of yeah, the right the zebra, one? Yeah, the zebra one. Okay. Don't think I've ever had that answered before, but um, inspirational. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he came out of nowhere, that guy, didn't he? He did, Just, really did. Yeah. Yeah, he proved them all wrong. Wow. And it doesn't matter what you, you look like or, you know, your abilities or doesn't you know, matter never judge your background. A, Horse bite stripes, basically, you know? Exactly. Uh, good there. I, I th- more people need answer racing stripes. It's their favorite mm, sports movie. Great support network as well with the fly and the... <laughs> um- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a metaphor for life. There's another quote for you. I want that used on sort of the, the quote machine. That works. Um, your funniest childhood memory? Um... For some reason, this has come to mind, but I was about six or seven and we were um, at like this junkyard playground in Melbourne. It was sort of like um, this new thing, just sort of car tyres and it was a playground for kids and I did a flying fox and landed in like a pool of chocolate. Like Pool of chocolate? Yeah, like I just plunged down after letting go of the flying fox and it was just like a melted pool of chocolate that these kids were like eating these like chocolate and the wrappers were there and then I like landed and like just covered in chocolate and these kids were like sort of thought it was really funny um (laughs) so yeah potentially not that funny for me but Wow. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't know if this is a thing in playgrounds in Melbourne. That is just a common occurrence. It's the stuff you don't, you don't dream of. You can't yeah. imagine. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I, I, I thought, wait, was this like a metaphor for just mud or more poo? But okay. We could turn it into a life lesson. Um, Possibly. You well, like. You're good at that. You know, connected to racing stripes. We're in, we're in for a good time, I think. Uh, do you have a favorite pump-up song for a race? You know, do you put the put the beats in and kind of tune something up? Yeah. Um, anything DJ Heartstring, you probably don't know, but um, who else do I like? Um, do you know the uh, Dragostia Dinte? Um, Maya oh, Maya yeah, yeah. Yep, Numa Numa. Yeah, Numa Numa. Yeah. That, that's that a, that, yeah, I can see that working. That Yeah. yeah. Wow, nice. That's, uh, are you allowed to have the headphones in during a race? I can't imagine that's frowned upon. No, no. Damn. So you can't be like going around skiing, uh, Maya. Yeah. <laughs> skiing up behind a Norwegian. How you going, Maya? Uh, just like putting them off their game. So, wow. Okay, good song. Uh, what's the most recent TV show that you binge watched? Um, uh, it's called People Just Do Nothing and it's a British um sort of anti-comedy or like a mockumentary um, about a pirate radio station. I recommend it. Okay. Sounds good. People would just I, I, do nothing. Never frown upon a, a British comedy or an anti-comedy in this case. Sounds sounds very good. Uh, your least favourite food is? 
Um, probably um, Keith. Oh, Keith, really? Not a fan. <laughs> wow. Very select on that. Uh, just don't like how it turns out or not an egg man or like how does yeah, that Yeah, I'm about? trying to give you quick responses. So just whatever <laughs> comes to mind. I'm not really Keith. prepared. Sure. I'm not prepared to um, explain why. I'll probably enjoy a quiche if you make me one, but. <laughs> I was going to say secretly this interview ends, you just go and cook yourself a quick quiche. Oh, you're saving uh, yeah, it for yeah. your book. The Sevi DeCampo yeah. tell-all story, why I don't like quiche. Um, <laughs> if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Um, a movie producer. Night. Oh, yeah, all right. That works. Uh, you've got the quotes. You've got the stories. Uh, yeah. Racing Strikes 2. Uh, you could get on board with that. I like it. Exactly. I can see it. The Phil Bellingham biopic, basically. You could work on that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. you're keen for that. Um, <laughs> e- final one. What's something that people usually describe you as? Um, like a funny guy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That works. Um, maybe a bit weird. <laughs> Only a bit? Like, you know, this. <laughs> yeah, just a good amount. Just a good um, amount. Enough. Enough that's not too overbearing, basically. <laughs> yeah, know. just like you, sort of. Yeah, thank you. That, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said on this show. So I, I appreciate that. Yes, exactly. Uh, Sevi, before we let you go, if anybody wants to stay up to date with your progress in the lead up to Milan or anything else you got going on, social media, anything else that you want to plug that people can check out? Yeah, you can follow me on Sevi DeCampo underscore official. Um, not not the unofficial one. Um, All those fake ones out there, they're not the real deal. They're trying to get in. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my – I'm Insta-verified as well. So, um, you know, Fancy. you're following – the blue a, tick. Yeah, got the blue tick. So, you know, you're following a quality product. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the main way you can find me. Um, Fantastic. I, yeah. Well, we – we will tag you in it when we post this up. But, Sevi, mate, this has been a, a lot of fun. It's the longest I think I've ever uh, enjoyed talking to a Hawthorne supporter. So, I uh, mm. appreciate that. Uh, good luck for, for Milan, for 2030, for 2034, everything else that comes with it. And once again, please beat the Bulldogs this week. Yeah. Please. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, uh, good luck to the to the Blues on Sunday against um, against the Pies. Fantastic chat there with Sevi. I I never knew that learning about uh, pooping at the Olympic Village could be that fascinating and uh, could also be that inspirational too. So uh, absolutely fun chat there. And as I said at the beginning, before we got into the interview, of course, uh, a lot of the football chat, a little bit dated by the time you're listening to this, you clearly know the outcome of how the AFL season played out. And uh, hopefully, hopefully... Colton did make the finals, but I might be jinxing that, of course, given the time of actually recording this. But a big thanks to Sevi for his time on the show today. More great chats are coming your way in the coming weeks. We've got some fantastic ones banked for you that I know you are going to enjoy along the way. Uh, Next week, we continue on. We've had some great 
uh, winter athletes, obviously, on the show along the way. And next week, we're talking to another Aussie Olympian, Steph Prem, snowboarder, competed, of course, at the Vancouver Olympics. And uh, a lot of fun to chat with Steph about her career and everything else in between. So uh, tune in next week to hear a little bit more with Steph and uh, some other great chats that are coming your way across the way. And the best way to stay up to date, of course, with all of these interviews and the episodes that we have going along, subscribe to the podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio, we're in all of them. And while you're there, leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And on social media, of course, too, search Off The Podium, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. If you want to see the video version of our chat with Sevi, hit us up on YouTube, search Off The Podium there. Subscribe while you're on all those channels and leave us some feedback back there as well we'd love to hear what you're thinking of the show if there's any guests you'd love us to track down to get on the show send us a message and we will do our very best to fulfill your requests as always i would like to send out a special shout out to the birmingham bull and close this out by saying that my name is ben this has been off the podium and remember to go left (laughs) 